welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 196. Engaging with Anti-Hunters with Blake Alma. And I am your host and the guy who is headed to his old hunting campsite this weekend for what should be the last time ever. More about that in a second, but right now we are 232 days, 14 hours, 48 minutes, and 31 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So this weekend, I am headed to the old hunting camp site because there is no camp there anymore. But I'm headed to the old site with my dad and one of the other members in the club, Rocco. And we've got a little cleaning up to do down there. And there's one building left there on the campsite. It's a storage building that we've got to move. So we'll be doing that Saturday. And one of my least favorite things to do ever, playing in the beach traffic that rolls through Alabama on I-65 every single Saturday of the summer. And if you've been through that traffic, you know it can and most Every single Saturday is brutal, brutal. So I'm looking forward to going and playing in that traffic Saturday, but it will be a good time. I'll be with my dad and one of our hunting buddies, so we'll be sure to have fun and probably be a good bit of work as well. Hey, I want to read an email to you guys that I got today that Really made me laugh out loud. The email came from Matt Bazzuto. And Matt, from one Italian to another, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. If I did not, please do not tell the Godfather. Matt's email says, Andy, my kids asked me to replay the episode where you mimic the sounds of the interruptions you experienced while deer hunting. If I remember, there were guys yelling at a logging site, a four-wheeler riding on a nearby street, etc., I can't figure out which episode it was. Need help. Thanks. So Matt, from one kid to your kids, I can't let them down. It's episode 59. Episode number 59 is the one that you're looking for. And I believe it's the one about turkey hunting websites. When I got your email, it reminded me of that hunt and how frustrated I was. 
that afternoon, but I couldn't help but laugh about it because I had zero control over what was going on around me. But thanks for your email that brought back a funny memory. I appreciate that. I hope your kids enjoy that episode again. And now let's get on with this week's episode. So this week I have on the show with me Blake Alma, who is an outdoor writer. He is the host of a radio show about the outdoors. He's also the host of a TV show about the outdoors called The Outdoor Experience. And in his outdoor writings, he has written several books as well as several articles for magazines and blogs. And Blake has done all of this before the ripe old age of 18. So Blake is 17 years old and has quite a few accomplishments underneath his belt. Blake reached out to me about coming on the show, and so we discussed some different topics. And and he said, you know, there's a topic that I'm very passionate about, and that is engaging with anti-hunters. So this episode is not so much geared towards turkey hunting as it is towards hunting in general, but I feel like it's information that we can all use because when we post something on social media, we can oftentimes get comments from anti-hunters or vegans and it's nice to know how to respond to those and Blake has some experience with that so without further ado here is Blake Alma and I will catch you guys on the other side hey everybody I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me today Blake Alma who is a writer and the host of a hunting show on TV that is relatively new and we're going to learn a little bit about the show. Blake, how long have you had your show? May of uh, 2017, so a little yeah. over a year old. Yeah, pretty new. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was pretty new. So let's jump on into this and get to know you a little bit better and a little bit more of what you have going on. So tell me, how are you and where are you? Yeah, for sure. First off, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to our chat here. So yeah, I'm doing great, man. Not too bad for, you know, whatever day it is. And so I feel pretty good. Uh, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, the great state of Ohio, of which we have big bucks, but that's about all we got going here as far as outdoors go. Uh, here in Cincinnati, it's pretty non-outdoorsy, so fun environment to be in, especially when you're like a 17-year-old that's really into the outdoors. And Cincinnati, local, the my city of Cincinnati seems to be really interested in it. I was just on I was just on the Cincinnati Enquirer uh, when it was a Sunday. I was on a, a local park newspaper just today. I was on WCPO, which is a local ABC network on Monday. It's so uh, you know, it seems that this this city is fascinated with the outdoors, but yet there are no, there's not many people who are into the outdoors. So Cincinnati's a fun environment, but if you want to be an outdoorsman, this is not the place to be at. <laughs> so. Then that begs the question, how did you get into the outdoors and hunting in particular? Yeah, definitely. So a long story short, I talk about this in my upcoming book, but I was 12 and a half years old. I was at my, I was at a teen camp. It was my very first teen camp. It was on the border of Ohio and Indiana. It was in Indiana. I'll actually be going to that exact camp tonight because my siblings are there. And so, because they have, they have a parent night and they want me to come. And so anyway, that's tonight. But at this teen camp I was at, 
I went, there was this guy who noticed I was getting, you know, bullied by the other guys. That's what happens when you're 12 and a half years old. You get dunked in the pool and whatnot. You know, it's just how things go, you know. And this guy happened to notice that. And he's like, Blake, you know, I happen, you, don't, uh, you don't enjoy boys swim time. You know, you want to go down the creek and try fishing? I'm like, yeah, I've gone fishing once or twice. When am I going fishing again? And because of that one outdoor experience, it literally changed my life. And I uh, fell in love with the great outdoors. And, of course, I started off with fishing, but that led into survival and bushcraft skills, which led into hunting. And the spiritual reconfiguration that you get when you go out in the outdoors and harvest an animal and, and, and eat the fruit of your labor, it's quite amazing. And so that's the abridged version of how I got in the outdoors and just started off as a guy taking me outdoors. Some kid that didn't have outdoorsy parents took me outside, and it literally changed my life, and I, I built a career out of it. That is awesome. And so... You said your siblings are at the same camp, but have you gotten your siblings involved in the outdoors or are you, have you gotten your parents involved in the outdoors now? Yeah, so excellent question. So my siblings have don't like anything outdoors. They have this fear of mosquitoes and sweat and heat, you know, and uh, my youngest brother, he seems to be slightly fascinated with the outdoors, but he's about five or six years old and my parents won't let me do much with him. Uh, with, you know, going on a boat because they don't want to drown, which is understandable, or, you know, using a gun makes sense. And then nobody else, my my, my siblings, as far as outdoors go, they don't have much interest in it. Now, they, they don't mind going fishing with me for like 30 minutes, and then they're like, okay, we're done and catch anything. However, my dad, he's always like fishing because he grew up in rural Michigan up north, actually Grayling, Michigan, which is where Fred Bear's from. He grew up there, and so he's had this country outdoor connection He's had his entire life, and he was into it a little bit, but now, you know, it wasn't like a, a real hobby of his. He would go fishing every once in a while, but ever since I got into fishing, he's gone fishing a lot more, and so we actually went down to Orlando in April. I don't know where we fished at. I can't remember the name of the lake. It was one of the Lake Kissimmee uh, Lake Train, or I cannot remember what was the name of the lake. Hmm. It was one of the, the, the it was a lake chain of lake something something down there in Orlando. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, Kissimmee so we or went one down, of those other lakes yeah, in there. One yeah. of those big awesome lakes that we definitely don't have here in Ohio. And so uh, that was in April. We flew down there. We're only down there for two days and we caught some fish. I caught like nine bass. He caught one. So in fact there's a picture of me and him on social media and he was holding one of my bass acting like it was his because I felt bad. So we took a picture of him uh, of me holding two. I had like a seven pound bass in one hand and about five pound bass in the other. My dad had about three and a half pound one in his hand, but that was my bass. So anyway, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, he, he's gotten uh, a little bit into fishing and he's really busy because he runs a firework business and whatnot. And so during the summer, because 4th of July, and he's real busy. And so he doesn't fish as much as he likes to. If he had the opportunity and the time to do so, he'd fish a whole lot more. But uh, also one of the downs, one of the negative things about Cincinnati is that fishing here is not all that great. It's not bad, but it's not like it's not like Florida or Michigan from where my dad grew up or my mom grew up in Florida. So it's not anything like fishing in those great states. And so my dad's kind of avoided fishing here in Ohio. But when we go down to Florida, man, he'll he'll fish twenty hours on a on a family week vacation. And so um, yeah. you know, it's it's it is what it is. But overall, my family is now into the outdoors. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So you and I were talking, oh, I don't know, three or four days ago and trying to come up with the topic of what we were going to talk about on today's show. And I asked you if you turkey hunt and how long you've been turkey hunting at the time. And you told me that you're new to the sport of turkey hunting, but that you actually took another hunter 
out this past spring to guide for him and that that hunter harvested a turkey. So did. do you mind sharing that story with us very quickly? So the listeners yeah. to this show who are new to the sport of turkey hunting may have some hope that their time is coming. Absolutely. I went turkey hunting for the first time. Uh, 2017 was my first time. I went twice and I didn't have any success. I actually heard my first gobble though. So that was quite the experience, but no, I didn't, I didn't harvest anything. So the year flies by the next year comes around and I became pretty affiliated with a with a special needs hunting group called Nevin's Hunting Friends. They actually have a TV show on Gen 7 Outdoors. I gave them that TV show, gave them my airtime on Gen 7. And so, I mean, I got pretty close with some of the guys that work there and whatnot. So they invited me to go up to Pennsylvania. I'm from Cincinnati, so they up north of Pittsburgh and uh, go turkey hunting with them. Uh, not me turkey hunt, but help a, a child out on a turkey hunt. So we did that, went up there. I took Nevin, uh, the if you will, the founder of Nevin's Hunting Friends, he came up with the idea when he was eight years old and his dad kind of executed on it. And so now it's uh, become quite the thing. But I took him uh, turkey hunting. There was another guy as well who who uh, was a lot more well with it when it came to turkey hunting. But I, I knew a thing too. I got to play with, the, you know, I got to play with the turkey call and that was fun. And so I actually started falling asleep because it was eight in the morning. We woke up at four. I actually stayed the entire night. Long story short, we stayed up the entire white night and we got a little crazy we actually shot we successfully killed a mouse with a nerf gun so i mean <laughs> it was quite, it was quite the experience and so uh, that was pretty cool but anyway so we get out four we we get all set up in the blind around 5 30 right before the sun comes out and uh, we're just chilling there i start falling asleep well boom i hear this turkey gobble and then i like woke up immediately i'm like oh yeah and we started laughing he, the kids started laughing I'm like be quiet be quiet he's right there and so he comes out and then bam we smoked him and he had a i don't know i don't know four or five inch beard and two centimeter spurs and whatnot it was definitely a very nice turkey it wasn't the biggest turkey of the day uh, uh, of the hunting trip but uh it was quite the experience and so uh even though it was his first turkey it was you know my first time really getting to experience the you know the great turkey experience hunting trip and so it's it pretty amazing yeah that's awesome that you helped someone get their first turkey and that's just an amazing feeling and an amazing experience anyway but then it was also your first experience with yeah. getting a turkey to come in and so I, I know that had to be just exhilarating on all fronts for you guiding that um, young man it was amazing <laughs> i dove into how to articulate it was just when I saw it happen, because it was my first time seeing it in person, now I've seen it on outdoor TV for years now, and so to actually see the experience take place, you know, it's really something else. And it wasn't even my harvest to watch a kid who was younger than me and had a, a, has a disability be able to do something that I've never done was really yeah. cool to see. And so it was, it was truly awesome. Yeah. And that is, that is too cool. Well, that's a great story. I appreciate you sharing that with us. No problem. So let's talk a little bit about your book. So you're 17 years old, and I checked you out, of course, before asking you to come on the show, And because I have to stalk yeah. the guests that are coming on the show so I can learn a little bit more about them. And you've written quite a few books, and you've also written quite a few articles. So tell us a little bit about some of the books that you've written, where we can find them, and a few of the titles and topics as well. Yeah, most definitely. So I have, let me think, I think I have four books currently available on Amazon. 
after that first fishing experience, uh, I've always liked writing, and there's never been a day in my life that I have. I mean, when I was like, when I was seven years old, I wrote this little picture book for my grandpa, and he bought it for me for like five bucks. And so, you know, after that, I knew it was my thing to write and do books and stuff. So I wrote all these, you know, these fun story books and whatnot. And when I was nineteen years old, I never did anything with them. I still have them, but I never, you know, published them. Obviously, I was nine years old. I mean, it's not like a work of art or anything. But that led into me becoming, you know, an outdoor writer. And so when I was, it was just a few months after that first fishing experience, man, did I soak in everything outdoors like, like nothing out, like a sponge. Everything I saw about the outdoors, I just learned about it and I read about it and YouTube and articles and magazines and TV, you know, I just absolutely was enamored with it. Well, for whatever reason, I thought since I knew so much about the outdoors after only a few months of getting into the outdoors, I decided to write, you know, a book, a little book. It was about 60 pages and it was, you know, just about, you know, just basic outdoor activities. In fact, I look back at it now, I laugh at it because that's how horrible a book it was. But a year and a half later, after writing that book, I got it published. Don't know how I did it, but I somehow did. And, you know, I sold whopping 10 copies, you know, and it didn't really go anywhere. But I wrote that book. Now, that book's not available anymore. Took it off because it's that bad of a book. Just saying. <laughs> a 12-year-old, you know, <laughs> it's not the best, best work of art I've done today. But that's gone now. But because of that, that led me to writing, you know, a blog. I, I started a blog. Uh, it was called The Art of the Outdoors, but now called The Conservative Sportsman. But I wrote a blog, which led to freelance writing. And free, freelance writing led to me getting a radio show. And I started writing books and whatnot, publishing them. So I have four books today. I have one called Harvesting Nature's Bait Shop, which is my oldest currently still published book. It's about me catch how to catch, you know, your own fishing bait. And it actually has a lot of good detail, tons of pictures Worked. I was probably 15. I think I was 15 when I wrote that book. Actually, 14. I was 14. And that was real. That was the hardest. I spent the most time on that book because it was me doing the effects and learning how to do stuff like that. So love that book. Dear Fisherman, it's definitely a book you want to read. If you want to save money on fishing bait, Harvesting yeah. Nature's book, uh, Bait Shop, you go to Amazon, type in the name Blake Alma. You'll definitely find it there. I have one called The Godly Outdoorsman's Devotionals, which is just a series of devotionals that I and some friends wrote about, you know, how the outdoors brings you closer to God. Third book, what's the third one? More than just a rat trap. It's real, I'm really big into trapping. I tell you how to use a rat trap for more than killing just rat, how they killed squirrels and rabbits and chipmunks and even birds in the nuisance, in the nuisance situation. And so I talk about that in that book. And then my fourth book and my my most recent book, it's called The Hunter's War, Vegans vs. Hunters. I wrote that about a year and a half ago, so it's the my most well-written book today. I talk about how to respond to anti-hunters and vegans who troll your page and call you all these horrible names and whatnot. And so how to respond to that situation and how to disprove veganism, if you will. And so um, I talk about that in my upcoming book. So right now, I actually just finished it. I'm writing a book called An Outdoorsman's Heart. It's a book about how I've seen the outdoors, about my life story, how I came to who I am now. How I became, you know, this kid that was being bullied at a summer camp to becoming, you know, a 17 year old TV host. I tell that story, been a chapter on that. But after that, I get into, you know, outdoor, political, conservative issues. Talk about, you know, how the outdoors has some issues. Uh, there's not a lot. The outdoor industry is, quite frankly, one of the most perfect industries, in my opinion. We have this brotherhood that we're like high fives and, you know, we all are all in the same part together trying to pass the outdoors to the next generation. So that's awesome. But yeah, we still have some issues that need to be resolved, like crossbows and compounds and baiting deer and not baiting deer and food plots and not food plots and stuff like that. I talk about that. I talk about conservative issues, if you will, social issues. Don't want to get too political here because I know this is not the time, the place to do so. But I talk about uh, most outdoorsmen, 98 
98 plus percent of outdoorsmen hold to conservative values. So I talk about some of those from, uh, you know, talk about Donald Trump, uh, six pages of Donald Trump's accomplishments, you know. Yeah, despite, you know, some of the things I may disagree with him. I talk about, you know, abortion and, you know, gun rights, which is what everybody wants to hear about these days. I talk about all these different topics in that book. Uh, I have a, I mean, this chapter called The Outdoorsman's Conservatism. And then I talk about my next chapter is about vegans and anti-hunters, how to respond to that. So I know I've already written a book, and so I went ahead and talked about it a lot more, and I've gotten better in writing. So I really hope I articulated that well enough. And then I think this is the most exciting part of the book that everybody wants to wants to read. Alan Phil Robertson, the stars of Duck Dynasty, the patriarch Phil Phil Robertson, the oldest son Al, uh, they wrote the foreword to the book and so they put in two their two cents about uh, the outdoors and their outdoorsman's heart and so it's really exciting it comes out august 1st which is a week from today uh, at the time of this recording and so definitely looking forward to that it'll be on amazon barnes and noble it's on pre-order now and so i'm pretty excited to see where that goes yeah very cool man you know to write one book is a big deal because there's a lot that goes into that writing several books is a really big deal. Writing several books before you're 17 years old is a tremendous accomplishment. And so I'm sure everyone listening to this show can appreciate that and your work ethic, because it does take a lot of time and energy and concentration to go through that process and get a book put together and to get it published as well. And so Congratulations on all of that, and I wish you a lot of luck in what is, I am sure, to be a long career in the outdoors industry for you as a writer and host and whatever you want to do. I know the sky's the limit when somebody has the determination that you have, so hats appreciate off to that, you. Man. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. appreciate it. Yeah. It's fun stuff. There's nothing I'd rather be doing. Absolutely. I completely understand. So you've mentioned this a couple of times, and I wanted to... Let it be our topic for today's show because you came from an environment to where you weren't really an outdoorsman. I don't think that you or your family had an opinion one way or the other about the outdoors. You just were not an outdoorsman. And I think that is the way that the majority of Americans are today. Not everyone's a hunter. Not everyone's an outdoorsman. Not everyone's an anti or a vegan or you know, whatever the other beliefs that they may have that may be opposite of what most of us outdoorsmen have. So there's this huge group of the people in the in the center between those two groups, and you fell into that growing up. But now that you've gotten into the hunting industry and you've written some books and, well, I say hunting, also the outdoors industry because you, you're writing about trapping as well and, you know, a, a lot of different outdoor adventures. And so now that you've gotten into that, you've had some experience in dealing with the people who are on the far end of the spectrum from where most everyone listening to this show is, and that is the anti-hunters. And so with you having that experience and you being a young man that is probably much more technologically savvy than most of us listening to this show. I thought, you know, this would be a good opportunity for us to talk about how we can handle some of those antis on social media because social media, everyone knows this, I'm stating the obvious, it is, well, I've been I've been saying this for a while and I still believe it even though it may be a bit extreme to say it, but 
I think social media may be the death of this country in the respect that it gives almost everyone a voice and not everyone needs to have a voice. And that works on both sides of the fence, left, right, hunter, non-hunter. Not everyone needs to be able to talk and have everyone else in the world have the ability to hear them. So there's a lot of anonymity on social media. And I think that an anonymity gives the users of social media a lot of brevity to be able to say things that they would not say to another human being's face. And that is a real problem. And so I want to talk about some of that. We're going to talk about how to engage with anti-hunters. And so as far as I'm concerned, on social media, I just don't engage them at all. And I know you have a different attitude about that, and and that's great, and I applaud you for that. I don't engage them because they're really not worth my time. I half agree with you with that because I would say, actually probably more than half, I would say a good 70% of the uh, anti-hunting, vegan, or even liberal people who troll my page 70% of their comments are just so invalid that it's not even worth saying anything. Like, I delete and block, you know, uh, because some of these comments are just kind of dumb. You know, like, they'll say something like, go die, you, you know, you blank, blank, you blank, you know, I'm just like, oh, okay, I'll just delete. Now, sometimes when they blaspheme God, they insult my family, or they um, say something that's so unbelievably stupid I keep it on there or debate with them because when something's so, so stupid, I want other hunters to see that and realize, hey, listen up. This is the party that is opposing to us. If this is their logic, we don't really have to worry about too much. So I mm-hmm. keep those on there. I don't delete them or reply to those because they're that dumb. Now, then there's ones that like insult God or like blaspheme God or use the Bible incorrectly saying, you know, oh, God's pro vegan and blah, 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 which he's not. And so. I'll correct them biblically and be like, okay, well, here's what the Bible says, all right? And you took that Bible verse out of context. Well, if you read the rest of it, it's talking about this situation here. And so I try to correct them civilly as possible. Now, if one, if somebody else comments and says something very respectfully and says, hey, listen up, you know, I'm a vegan, you know, and you're a hunter, and I don't necessarily understand why you can kill animals, do you mind – Explain to me why you do so. And they're very, you know, civil about it. They're not calling me names or anything. I will reply. Now, the second they call me this or that, their opinion goes right out the window because they're acting like a four-year-old, you know. Yeah. And so when they do that, I'm just like, nope, not even bothering. No, I mean, just like Trump said the other day, CNN's fake news, not even going to reply, not even going to bother messing with you guys. Same thing with vegans. Half the things they say are completely fake and false. Don't even bother replying. And they're just, you know, trying to insult you or trying to get attention on themselves by saying something so stupid, you know. And so, yeah, I half agree with you there because there's a point where some things are so like they're just so cruel that there's really no way to reply to them. And you can you can reply to them with logic and and being civil back. And the only thing they'll say back is F you or something, you know. And it's just like, okay, well, you know, I don't know why you'd say that, you know, I mean, why? What was the purpose of that? You know, I proved you wrong and yet you're being arrogant and now you're insulting me. So there's no point in trying to do that because I actually think it makes that makes their party more mad at you, you know. But if they're trying to be civil or it's a point where like they are literally wishing you death threats or blaspheming God, there's a point where you need to, to, to step in and figure out what you need to do in the situation, whether that's reporting to Facebook for, you know, wishing a death 
uh, wish on you, which I, I get those on occasion. Or, you know, if they're they're harassing you in your faith, you know, there's a point where you do need to step in and say, okay, well, you're wrong and here's why, you yeah. know. And so I think if we ignore every comment, um, I think or, – or every, you know, every incident where a vegan or something on the news that you see, something happens regarding hunters and vegans, if we ignore every single one of those, that just gives them more confidence and – to push in and then all the people who are in between you have 10% anti-hunters and vegans and you have 10% hunters and the 80% and then the vegans are are explaining their point and the hunters just ignore it that 80% is going to lean more to the vegan side because we're not explaining why even though we have the logic and the biblical and scientific grounds if we don't explain those they ignore everything that 80% is going to be leaning to the vegan side because they may have a point or two they may have a point about health you know in the 21st century, it is probably healthier to be vegan than to go to the store and buy these hormone-filled meats. Now, right. if you're a hunter and eat only the fruit of your labor, I would have to say it's being, uh, you're being healthier as a hunter. And so they may have a point or two, and they well, they might pull out, oh, well, before the fall of man, we were vegan. Yes, that is true. And the, before the fall of man, it was probably just a few hours before mankind fell. You know, And right after that, we became vegetarian because Adam slew a, um, a lamb to sacrifice it to God. And so vegans were only in existence a few days because back then we didn't need to be meat eaters. We didn't need to go out and work for our own food. And then after the great flood, God said, listen up, this earth became a whole lot harder to live in. I created cannons and mountains and the, earth, the continents are divided because I destroyed the earth with a flood. This earth is going to be a whole lot harder to live in. So here's, here's animals. Here's protein for you to eat so you can build up muscle and go out. And live your life and work and do everything that you need to do to survive. So here's meat, and that's why God gave us meat. And so, you know, they may have a point or two, but when you start getting down to it and you like listen to what they have to say, like, oh, no, that's not right. And here's why here's a biblical reason, here's a scientific reason, and here's take a look at history. You know, you're wrong. And so most vegans are atheists. You're fine. They're, they're anti-God. Mm -hmm. And so you can use atheism to disprove veganism because their logic is the fact that we came from animals and so we shouldn't eat our ancestors. Well, where did animals come from? Plants. And what are they eating plants? And so it's just like, whoa, whoa. So I can't eat my ancestor, but you can eat your great ancestor, according <laughs> to the, the logical a theory of evolution because nothing came from nothing and now we're here for absolutely nothing it makes perfect sense but um anyway so you could just use simple plain logic common sense to disprove veganism or or, or anti-hunting anti-hunting is even worse because they're eating a cheeseburger while they're typing on their computer or on their phone saying that you're a horrible person you know and they're being e even more hypocritical and so there is a point where you as a hunter need to step in and say okay here's why we're a hunter all right, all right, because it's amazing, it's fun, but outside of that, it's me getting physical exercise. Number two, it's me building memories with my family. It's absolutely amazing. Three, there's a spiritual reconfiguration I get when I go out there and harvest the fruit of my labor and eat that which I killed. There's this great gratitude and this thankfulness that I have to God for when he provided this animal to be meat for me. And then you think about the conservation, the sci scientific reasons why hunting is so great for the, for the, for the environment. Then that's what really, really disproves veganism. And so once you explain those elements, veganism has no power. And so every hunter needs to know why you're a hunter and how you can stand up and fight against those who oppose. I'm going to go down this route real quick. I have a really, really close friend who he was just in town. He actually left early because – 
uh, his faith, his his biblical faith and my faith are are, are different. I, I I'll say this: I'm Baptist. I'm not Baptist because because of this or that. I'm Baptist because I believe what the Bible says, and it happens to be that my Baptist church happens to believe every word the Bible says. That's why I'm a Baptist. If Catholics believe what the Bible says, I'd be a Catholic. So I don't care what denomination you are. However, my friend, I'm not going to mention his name. He's a Mormon, and Mormons believe in the Book of Mormon. Well, I we had a very simple conversation. I explained to him, "Hey, listen up." Book of Mormonism believe that the Bible and the Book of Mormon are absolutely true, the perfect word of God. Well, I used the Bible to explain to him, look, look the Book of Mormon isn't true because here's what the Bible says. You know, The Bible says there will be no more prophecies. If anybody adds on to my word, you'll be in great judgment and whatnot. All right. Uh, I went into great detail. Well, he denied it even though he had nothing to stand on to prove his case. Even though I told him why I'm a Christian and why I believe in the Bible, he couldn't tell me why he was a Mormon. A Mormon, Just like these vegans. They'll be able – they'll try to stand up and say something like, okay, here's where we get our proof from, all right? And then we'll say the same thing but th and disproving their proof, if you will, making it not really proof, and yet they will not – change their mind because they have become arrogant and vain in their imaginations as it says in Romans 1. And so um talks about veganism in the sense in Romans 1. So anyway, you have to know why you believe and teach why you believe in order to keep the hunting heritage alive because there's not many 17-year-olds or 16, 15-year-olds that really like the outdoors and want to make a difference. And so you have to be able to articulate why you like the outdoors so that you can pass it on to your children and then they can pass it on to their children. Right. So I'm understanding you correctly to say then that you're engaging most of these antis for the benefit of the non-hunters or the that large group that's in the middle that doesn't have a feeling one way or the other. Exactly. Because yeah. I have... I have like, you know, I have 160,000 followers on my survival page, okay? And of those survivalists, most of them are like preppers. They're not like wilderness survivalists that go out and trap. Most of them are like right. one of the like crazy preppers, if you will. I know people like classify them as crazy, but they're actually kind of smart. But anyway, they don't know if hunting's okay or not. They may think hunting's okay in the survival situation, but do they think it's okay, you know, in the everyday scenario? Do they, do they, do they, know why hunting is okay and in fact biblically and scientifically correct do they know that and so when they see these comments of these trollers call me this and that and they're saying you know the bible says this even though they don't believe in the bible and then they say well it's healthier and blah 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 they might be persuaded and if they see that and they're persuaded you know we're losing people here and so i have to kindly and civilly explain to them hey listen up buddy you know you're wrong because of here's what the bible says and here's what science says you know you're wrong, buddy. And so if that my one of those followers that are a prepper or whatnot that aren't hunters sees that, they're gonna join the hunting bandwagon because the proof is irrefutable. And then of course, you know, I think uh, those that are hunting and see see how I handle the situation, hope I can inspire them to handle the situation somewhat uh, similar so that if they ever encounter an anti-hunter or a vegan, they could do the same thing. Yeah. Do you find that you often end up engaging the same antis time and time again? Yes. Like I said, I do block a lot. I, I probably have, you know, a few thousand people blocked on my Facebook page, you know. But if there's there's some vegans that are pretty civil that I won't block because I know I, I don't want to block someone unjustly so for just, you know, speaking yeah, their just, opinion without yeah. being offended without being, you know, offensive. And so but I will see them comment in every other post saying this or that. And after a while, if they keep doing it, I will block them. Uh, because I mean they're not helping to my page, and I've already explained to them why I believe what I believe. 
And so um, there's really no point in them posting on my page trying to sway me. Because here's, here's the thing. I'm not willing to change my mind because I have irrefutable proof. For whatever reason, the other person is trying to change my mind. They don't have irrefutable proof, but they won't change their mind either because they're being arrogant. So if both parties aren't willing to change their mind, why in the world are you going to have a debate about the topic? Yeah. You know? And so there's a point where I'm like, okay, well, I don't need you on your page anymore. So yes – it happens a lot, and you might see that if people scroll through my Facebook, you the, you may see this guy. Like it's funny because I'll be able to like once I, I I'll remember their names and like I'll see a, something a notification on my phone like up oh, I know what that's about you know I just remember their names and like like oh man uh, that makes a vegan feel better that I the hunter know them because of of this and because of their beliefs, and I don't want to give them that comfort because uh-huh, I, I'm proving point being an ambassador for veganism because. I have a name with this hunter that makes sense. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't, I don't want to know you <laughs> because yeah. you're foolish. And uh, so I'm going to have to remove you from my page. So there's a point where you have to do that. But yeah, you, you, you will see reoccurring uh, trollers on your page. If you look on Kendall Jones' page or Eva Shockey or Jim Shockey, uh, Michael Waddell's Bone Collector page, you know, these pages, you may see a few of them. If you turn on the news, just recently, it's probably less than a month ago, there's a 19-year-old girl who like harvested a draft and went viral and blah, blah, blah. I actually reached right. out to her and said, thank you for being an ambassador of the hunt and whatnot. And I don't understand why this kind of stuff happens, you know, because with the news, the news source knows that hunting's right. You know, if you, when was it? It was PETA and uh, Jimmy Sykes with Spiritual Outdoor Adventures. They were on Fox News. And Jimmy Sykes provided with this with this vegan this pita vegan with proof that's like okay well you can't deny it and yet she denied it until she was blue in the face yes new jersey did in fact release an emergency hunt to kill black mayors because there were so many of them and for whatever reason she denied that until she was blue in the face it was hilarious but anyway you'll, you'll see these things on the news that happen and we need to be able to defend that and uh it's just absolutely disgusting so some of these vegans will keep posting and posting and posting on your page their comments to bring in more vegans and um mm-hmm. you, you don't want that and so it's just it's sad i i don't know where we've become in society me seven, being 17 years old i should be like the rest of my fellow peers being liberal and saying let's get rid of guns and being vegan's a good thing and who cares what gender you identify yourself as you know but i have proof to say okay well you my fellow teenagers you're proof you don't have any proof you're just making this stuff up and it's kind of disturbing and gross. And, you know, why do you believe that? And they won't change their mind. The Bible says it's going to happen. And so it's funny that they just prove the exact things that the Bible says. And so it's, you know, there's a point where you can't do anything besides block and uh, ignore them. Yeah. So have you ever had an anti-hunter kind of change their stance or opinion on a topic of discussion because of what you said? You know, I'm not saying... Yeah, they go from being anti-hunter to all of a sudden, okay, going. You know what, Blake? You're right. I'm going to start hunting, but you know they they have certain beliefs within that anti-belief, smaller beliefs that make up the framework of the total belief that hunting is bad. So, have you had any success in changing a stance or opinion on anything like that? So, kind of. I've seen it a few times. I probably count it with the number of my on my hands, fingers on my hands. And so you'll see the you you'll have these several vegans. It's not the the jerk dip uh, uh, you know dipstick ones. They're the super you know civil kind ones that you know just trying to be you know sure. be friendly to you. Yeah. And you'll explain their point to to them, and they'll reply, "Oh, okay, no, that makes sense. No, I understand your views. I have mine. You know, 
you know, I, I respect your views and I appreciate you taking the time to reply to this. I'll see that a few times. And that actually makes me smile because you are absolutely entitled to your opinion. You are more than welcome to have that opinion. However, it is not your right to force your opinion on me, especially if it's incorrect. And so, um, but the moment they like, okay, they acknowledge the fact that I have my opinion, I'm entitled to it, and I'm allowed to have that. I respect that because I respect uh, they respect it back. I respect them, and so it works out great. So you'll see those every once in a while. But I've never really seen a hunter say, "Oh no, I'm wrong. You're you're right." I've never seen that in my life. I, I, maybe I don't have enough experience to see it yet, but I've never seen some, me show them that they're wrong and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right." One situation that the closest thing I've had was it was a Christian vegan who believed the Bible word for word, used the King James version, and everything contacted me and said something like i don't understand how you can be a christian and kill animals i was like oh okay well um bible says this and you know god told people to kill animals or sacrifice to them and you know the bible says animals shall be meat for you in genesis 9 3 so i don't know where you're getting that from but i, I was pretty kind to respond to that and like hey here's what the bible says now here's what the bible says here's my bible verses now show me your bible verses that say i can't eat meat he didn't provide one well in return a hip he being a christian uh, according to his testimony and uh, uh, me being a christian we had a pretty civil debate and he actually said that i was right and so he's like I i'm not necessarily going to change my mind but you're right the bible does not frown upon hunters now the bible does use hunting as a metaphor a lot and actually those hunting metaphors are actually negative but it's just a perfect metaphor for the example. It's just a metaphor. It's just that. And so well, the Bible talks about hunting in Genesis 9-3, and then he, Abraham told his son Esau to go out and hunt, take his bone quiver. And then it talks about these different hunters and fishermen like Peter and his four and God's four Jesus' four apostles that were fishermen. You know, you come to the conclusion that God's completely okay with hunting, and that's why he created these animals to be used by us. And so we have dominion over them, as it says in Genesis 1-23. And it says in First Timothy 4 says forbidding people to eat meat is a doctrine of the devil. It says that it's, in its context, that's what it's saying. It says forbidding people to eat meat is in fact a doctrine of the devil. And so I'm not making this stuff up. You can look it up for yourself in Genesis uh, – excuse me, in First Timothy 4. And so the Bible does frown upon forcing your vegan opinions on people. Now you're entitled to be a vegan. There's nothing wrong with being a vegan in and itself. All right, As long as you, you can be like the Amish people and not shove it up in everybody's face – you can be a vegan, and I could care less. More meat for me. Woohoo! But the yeah. second you start trolling my page and telling me I'm this and that and this, I have an issue with it, and so does the Bible. Because I, I don't go on these liberal pages. I don't go on their pages and call them this and that. I don't do it back to them because there's no point in doing so. It's cruel and rude and absolutely unnecessary and biblical. It's a sin. And so I don't understand why they have to do that. And I think it's an attention thing, but outside of them getting a notice for it, there's absolutely zero reason for anti-hunters and vegans to start trolling pages and ma making up these false stories, calling you a Nazi or whatever for killing an animal, even though Hitler himself was a vegan. And so, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, you know, I actually saw some of that, what you mentioned of hunters saying, okay, when an anti-hunter posts something about a somebody taking an animal you know and you see a hunter come on and go oh well i think that's wrong that they d took this animal in this manner or whatever else and this happened a lot last year with the whole bomar thing with sarah's husband killing that bear with the spear and i can't tell you how many posts i saw of people saying well i'm a hunter and i think it's just that that's terrible the way he 
killed that bear and that bear suffered and blah, 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 blah. Now, hey, that very well could have been someone posing to be a hunter who was not, but think that's probably pretty far-fetched. Yeah. But still, you know, I, I think that, and my and I did a show on this because my stance with all of that was, and still is, that he took that bear by a legal means. Mm-hmm. He took that bear at a matter of yards. He took yeah. that bear in a primitive manner, just mm-hmm. like our ancestors thousands of years ago did. And the bear ran 60 yards, according to their reports. Yep. That bear was really just like a heart shot whitetail with a rifle at 100 yards. That bear lived the same amount of time that a whitetail shot with 100 in the heart with a rifle at 100 yards would have lived. He just happened, instead of laying down on the ground to expire, it ran. Mm -hmm. And so I had, you know, I had an issue with Hunter saying, well, I think that's wrong. You know, that's that's killing for the sport of killing. And it's not. Black bears, great meat. They even said, hey, we used every stitch of this animal in the meat and the hide and the skull. Nothing went to waste other than the guts. And still they were, the Bomars were, were cast aside by a lot of the hunting industry. And if you want to say Under Armour is part of the hunting industry, and I question that, but that's my personal viewpoint. They were cast aside by Under Armour. And so, you know, I, I just, when I saw that, that flew all over me last year. And I see it from time to time too. The young lady who killed the giraffe. The she, was that, co- she was my co-she was my the the 12-year-old that killed giraffe last year. She was my co-host temporarily. Her dad was a co-host on my radio show for about a year. But yes, oh. I couldn't have said it better. And and that, the same thing with the with Cecil the lion. Oh yeah. If you shoot a lion in a cage, I have an issue with that. That's yeah. not hunting. That lion was baited into an area just like they do in Africa. It's legal to bait. And so you bait the the lion in there, the lion is killed. Every stitch of that animal, every fiber of that animal was used, whether it was brought home to be a trophy or it was eaten by the locals or eaten in camp. Nothing went to waste. And so I have a huge issue with those hunters going, well, I'm against sport hunting. You don't know enough about sport hunting to be against it. Study yeah. the topic, you know. So anyway, I've got off on a little bit of a tangent there, but we need to stick together as hunters. Now, when someone's out and they're shooting a deer in the zoo, like we actually had happen in Birmingham, I don't know, 30 years ago, that's not hunting. Yeah, yeah that's horrible. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of stuff, no, we don't need to stick together on that, but we need to stick together as a group and we can't be picking and choosing what we say is is okay and what's not okay if it's a legal means of hunting and harvesting an animal so that's my thoughts if you don't if you as a hunter don't like the way that something's being done and it's legal then you need to petition to have it made illegal but i'm going to tell you i probably still have an issue with that to a certain extent yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Change. I agree. because I mean, if, if it's legal, go ahead and do it, man. I don't care. I'm against poaching, not because you're killing the animal, but because you're breaking the law. Right. The Bible says, obey them that have rule over you. Well, you're breaking the law when you poach something. And so it's it's incredibly fortunate. And back to the Bomar story, she has a really cool story to tell, honestly. She was a, she was a vegetarian before she was a hunter. And Josh, her husband, swayed her to become a hunter. 
And so that's like, that's an amazing story. I think Eva Shockey brings her up in her book, uh, Taking Aim, real quick. She didn't name her by name, but mentioned that story. But anyway, so, I mean, she got fired for the actions of her husband that were entirely legal, and Under Armour fired her. The meanwhile, under Ar- meanwhile, you have Steph Curry, who had affiliate. I don't know if he still does, but had affiliations with Under Armour, and, like, said these awful things about Trump, and meanwhile, Under Armour did do jack squat about it. And so it's kind of hypocritical on, on, on Under Armour's part, in my opinion. To use Under Armour, I have no issues with that. I'm not going to use it because I don't think they support our sport the way they should. So I'm not going to affiliate myself with Under Armour. If you want to use Under Armour, go ahead. I really don't care. I have no issues with it. You know, I don't go to Target and I don't really drink Starbucks anymore. I've been trying not to drink Starbucks because it's so amazing, but – I told my parents the other day, I'm like, I am not drinking Starbucks anymore. Hold me accountable to it. I don't yeah. do it because of personal reasons. If you want to go Target and you want to get – my best friend goes to Target, and he, and he loves Starbucks too. If you want to go do that, go do it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to stop you because that's my opinion. I'm not going to shove my opinion down your throat like vegans and the liberals I'm so very against. Not going to be like them. I hope I can act better than them. But it would be ideal for you to take these things into consideration and think about what you're actually supporting. And so I'm not going to target if they're going to allow a guy go into a girl's restroom. I'm not going to support that. Yeah. Or I'm not going to support Under Armour if they're going to fire a hunter and not fire someone for harassing the president of the United States. Not going to support that. And so there's a point where you have to think about that. But if you use Under Armour, you go to Target, you do these things, I don't care. All right? it's, your, it's your life, and you can, think, you can sit down and think about these things yourself, and you don't see an issue with it, go right ahead. It's your issues, not going to be mad at you. I have friends that use Under Armour, no issues. I've never even told my opinion to them about Under Armour, not once. And so besides here on the podcast now, but it's not one of those things I'm going to be too dogmatic about. It's just my own personal opinion. So anyway, that's unfortunate. These things you see in the news are just incredibly unfortunate. And you'll see it really, really only happens. Omar being an exception due to the amazing, awesome kill of him killing a bear with a spear in the most primitive, awesome fashion as possible. Thanks the dopest thing in the entire world. Totally awesome. I think it's, I think it's awesome. I just love seeing that video. I'm like, I don't know how he did that. He's one bulk dude. It's truly it, stunning. It really but, is. And for years, for years, the anti's number one argument was, oh, you just, you shoot these animals, these poor defenseless animals at 200 yards with a high powered rifle. And that makes you think that you're a man and that you're a tough guy and blah, 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 blah. I'd like to see you kill one with your bare hands or, you know, whatever else. Exactly. Uh, okay. Bomar came about as close yep. as you're going to come to killing a black bear with your bare hands because I don't believe you're going to kill one with your bare hands. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> hilarious because they contradict themselves. It seems to me the Liberal Party does the same thing. But, like, they say one thing, and then we do that one thing they ask us to, and then they still yell at us. Just like, you know, Trump – I hope you don't mind me getting political. Just like Trump uh, with, with the kids, uh, with the illegal immigrant kids, they're harassing him for um, – not for not taking care of these kids and making a new law and not separating the parents from the children, and he fixes that law, and yet they still hate him for it, you know. And it wasn't even his fault to begin with. So just like Josh Bomar's situation, so you'll see that the the hunting party and politics goes hand in hand. That's why I have a foot in both doors. But it is so aggravating to see all these hunting news stories, and but you'll see most of the time, this is Josh Bomar, you kill a famous lion. You'll see that's either young kids or females. 
like harassed for it. You've never seen Jim Shockey on mass news networks for killing this or that. However, you've seen Eva Shockey because she's a female. Well, the liberal party and the left and vegans are like, oh, e equality. Uh, girls can do what boys do and boys can do what girls do, blah, 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 blah. And then when a girl goes does hunting, which has been primarily a man sport, they harass the crap out of it for doing exactly what the liberal what vegans and liberals want them to do, showing men that women can do the exact same thing, and they go do the exact same thing, and yet they're being harassed for doing that. It's just like, what? You're incredibly hypocritical. And it's just like, why? You know, why do you have to say stuff like that? You say one thing, and then you go, and then you go harass the person for going to do the thing that you encourage that person to do. Right. And so they're all about, you know, who cares what gender you are, whatever you identify yourself, or how old you are, blah, 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 blah. You can do anything. The sky's your limit. But then when a kid or a woman goes hunting, they get nailed for it. I get nailed for it because my age. I love it. Most vegans will call me, oh, little kid or little boy or whatever. It's you know, kind of annoying. But if I was 30, 50 years old, I don't think they would have a big of an issue with me. And so – you know, it's it's hilarious to see because it's just such a hypocritical. They disprove their own party. And so and we hunters, we need to pick up the fight. And by 2050, I wonder what will be the state of, of the outdoors. And quite frankly, as it stands right now, I don't think it's positive. I, I talk about my book. I, I list a handful of kids outside of myself that have made a difference in the outdoors. I literally name like nine, you know. Yeah. If that, yeah. I don't even know how many names. Uh, Kendall Jones was one of them, and you know, Ali Armstrong with Grace uh, uh, Grace Camo and Lace and Sportsman Channel was was another one. I uh, listen, and that's it. That's all I know. You'd think me being seventeen, I would be able to make these connections real easily. Well, there's only nine that I know exist. I'm sure there's more out there, but if that's it, will there be enough in twenty years? Enough hunting conservation money from licenses and taxes from Bass Pro and, and guns and whatnot would be enough of that money to support the, uh, the your hunting right and for the government to still be on hunter's side because they are right now. Yeah. Why can't yeah. they just turn around and do what vegans want and, you know, they could license gardens. You have to buy a license to have a garden and stuff. You know, they could turn around and do the same thing with vegans. And so will there be enough hunters to support hunting? It's not looking positive right now. Yeah. I hope to see that change, but I don't know. Well, and doing things like what you did, getting involved with that group that is comprised or, or is, was founded to help young kids with disabilities, but just getting involved in a group that's their purpose is to get kids involved in the outdoors, much like the NWTF's Jake's program. All right, let's say we have one child and our child doesn't like to hunt or doesn't like to fish, just not an outdoorsy kid. Hey, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. If there are kids out there who have not had the opportunity to go out and enjoy the outdoors that may fall in love with it. And we need to get as many of those kids into the outdoors as we can. Hunting is not going to be everyone's forte. They're not, not everyone is going to love to hunt. I know plenty of people and have plenty of friends who love to fish, but don't hunt. Not that they're against it. They just don't yeah. hunt. Yeah, I have yeah. friends that hunt and don't fish. They don't like to fish, but they love hunting. I have friends that do neither, but like to go and shoot. You know, so yeah. it's just being outdoors, being involved in these outdoor activities that we love and enjoy. The money that the taxes that are being paid on that 
shotgun, if they're going and shooting sporting clays, the shotgun shells, or the money that they're spending on fishing tackle, the money they're spending on camouflage clothing or guns and ammo for hunting, all of that, not all of that, but a lot of that tax money is going right back into promoting what we all enjoy doing, and we've got to get more people involved in it. And the young people are the future. And, you know, if you think about it, most people listening to the show, if they're my age, our grandkids may have a hard time enjoying a lot of the same things that we enjoy in the outdoors. It's not, we're not that many generations away from losing a lot of the rights that we have to enjoy all, all of the creation that we have out there to enjoy. So Mm-hmm. One more question for you before I cut you loose. We talked about the social media aspect of engaging anti-hunters. Do you handle or approach face-to-face discussions any differently with oh, yes. antis than you do on social media? Yes, because what you see on social media, there is no way on earth they would ever say that in person. Yeah, They just don't. I'll admit, I've said things on social media that I would not say in person as well. And so I have been confronted by a few vegans face to face, and we have very civil chats. I don't think I've ever been cussed out in a, in a chat face to face. I haven't had many, but you know, I actually wear sunglasses and I wear a Trump hat to like when I go out, so nobody you know recognizes me. Now that the whole world knows I do that. I have to change my style again, but because I don't want to, I don't want to debate anybody when I'm out in public. You know, when I go, we have an amusement park in Kings Island. I was just there Monday with some friends. And uh, I, I wore my Trump hat and uh, I wore my sunglasses. Well, you would think you've seen this on the news where the, there was a, another kid who's pr- probably pretty close to my age. He got you know harassed and assaulted for wearing you know a Trump hat. Well, not one person. I was at the ball. I was at Cincinnati Reds game yesterday. All right, so between Kings Island, which is a giant amusement park, and going downtown Cincinnati, not one po- person said one thing about my hat negatively. I had a dozen plus people say something positive about my hat though. Had this one guy came by and just like best hat in the world. I mean, he gave me a high five. That it hurt, man. And so <laughs> you'll see that liberals or vegans will not harass you the same way that they do in person than they do online. They just won't, unless they're in a group like a protest. They will, but one on one, they won't do it because they're scared to. And so they will not go door to door like Christians do and say, oh, well, will you be willing to convert to the veganism ways today? You know, because they have no doctrine and they can't hide behind a screen and not and, you know, they can't lay back and not worry about any repercussions where when it's face to face when on a screen, you know, they can just ignore the text and move on with their life when it's face to face, you know. You have a situation at your hand that you have to figure out what to do. So they won't do it as much. So that's a that's a comfort. But uh, I do I do I do try to cover my, myself, uh, like not tell people like of my whereabouts sometimes. Like just uh, I, I work for a certain I work for a park. I'm not gonna tell you the name of the park, but I work for a park, and they have a daily newspaper. And for whatever reason, they felt the need to take. I was listening to the Cincinnati Enquirer. They took that article, uh, they screenshot it, and put it in their paper. And told all the great parks where I work at, like what station of all the parks in Cincinnati, they told them what station I worked at. That was just today, actually. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of like, come on, man. That would be vegan and down knows where I'm at. But there's a point where you, know, you have these death wishes, and there could be a point where they may carry that out. There was uh, – I don't remember when. I don't remember the full story. It was in California. It was a family of originally vegans who converted 
uh, to meat eaters and started selling meat through their grocery stores. I mean, excuse me, through their restaurant. Mm -hmm. The vegans, excuse me, my bad. They ate meat, but owned the vegan stores. They did not change their vegan stores. They kept them vegan. The vegans got so mad that they tried to assassinate the owners. I don't know how far they got and what progress they made. You have to look it up. But they did make an attempt to do so, whether it was just you know threat through words of mouth. I think it was an action that was planned. They tried to execute it, but it failed. I don't know this for sure. Google it yourself. But it happened, and now they're on jail. I'm sure they're still in jail today. Uh, the vegans that tried to assassinate the the vegan store owners who were converted to meat eating. And so that's a pretty sad story. Another story that just happened recently was the YouTube shooting. I'm sure you hear about that. No, nobody was killed, thankfully. But there was this Iranian vegan weirdo that had a vegan-themed page that posted the most perverted, godless stuff on her page ever. And YouTube shut down her page because it was horribly nasty. Her being a vegan, having her way or no way, decided to go to the California headquarters and try to shoot everybody up, and she failed. And so these things aren't unheard of. They're incredibly rare, but they exist. And so that's one of the things I've, I've tried to take precautions as as a 17-year-old. It's kind of, you know, you can't have a gun on you. So, you know, you have to figure out stuff like that. It exists. And so you never know when uh, the vegan that says on social media that they want to kill you, that they're a legitimate crackhead that will come out and try to, you know, put an attempt on your life. Stuff like that does exist. And so it brings me a great pain to say so. And so I've taken some precautions <laughs> of the situation because it can happen. And yeah. so I would, I would, I'm being a martyr for my faith, but I would prefer not to. Sure. You know, if I had to go down one way, being an ambassador of the hunt and my faith would be the best way going down. But there's a point where I, when it comes to face to face discussions, where I would prefer to avoid them because I don't want to be confronted with the wrong person now the chances of that ever happening are practically nothing but they can anyway you never know so there's take take this comfort that these people who are saying this horrible nasty profane stuff on your page would never stay there in real life and so that's one of the things that have kind of eased me because you know you see a lot with teenagers they want to commit suicide because of bullying and i get 10 times the amount of bullying that they get for social media and i i'm perfectly happy and because of my faith and, the, you know, me loving the outdoors and having family and friends has kept me so. And then I remember that they would never say this to me face to face and because yeah. they know better. They have good enough conscience not to say something like that to your face. And so, take, Hunter, take back and uh, realize that. So when it happens, don't go cry and run to your bedroom. Remember, they'll never say that in real life. And if they were civil and kind enough to explain their point, reply to them and stand up for what you believe in. And so that's the, the best advice I can give you as a hunter. Yeah, very good. Blake Alma, thank you very much for no taking time out of your day to come on the show and talk to us about how to engage and deal with the anti-hunters a little bit on social media and in person as well. And because we talked about the books, but tell everyone about the outdoor experience, your show that's on the Hunt Channel, when we can catch that and that kind of thing yeah for sure so uh airs on on the hunt channel airs on mondays at 10 p.m eastern right now we are it, it, they do reoccurring episodes there's no new episodes until i think september and then in january we'll take a break again 
catch it on the Hunt Channel. It's on Carbon TV. Just go to CarbonTV.com, and they're on demand there. You can watch all of those. It's on. I think it's on. The, some of the episodes are on Gen Seven, and some of them are on Outdoors and the Bluegrass Network. A few platforms are on, but our primary two networks is Hunt Channel and Carbon TV. Or you can go to our website and see what the show's about at www.outdoorexperiencetv.com. Very good. And then your personal website is. BlakeAmmo.com. You can just see some of the things uh, from the books of the TV show, radio show, and articles and whatnot. That's all there on BlakeAmmo.com. Fantastic. Sir, I wish you a lot of luck with the show and with all of your writing and everything that you've got going on. You've you told me you've just graduated from high school, and I know that's a nice, exciting time of life for you. And I know there are a lot of good things on the horizon in the future for you, so I wish you the best of luck. And if I can ever do anything to help you over here, please don't hesitate to give me a call or shoot me an email. I'm glad to do whatever I can do to help you out. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Blake. Have a great day. Thanks, Ben. All right. Goodbye. All right. Whether you agree or disagree with Blake's religious or political views, it doesn't matter. I think we all can easily see and appreciate his passion for those topics, and especially for the outdoors. Now, if you like what you heard from Blake, then I encourage you to go check out his website and his Facebook pages, and you may even want to reach out to him and let him know that you heard him on this show. At such a young age and with so many accomplishments, I can't help but know that Blake's going to be around the outdoor industry for a long time, so I am sure that we are going to see and or hear him quite often in the future. So hey, before I sign off for the week, I'm going to ask you for a favor. I do it every week, so you should be expecting it by now, shouldn't you? So the favor that I'm asking you for this week is to share the show with some of your hunting buddies via text message using the share feature inside your podcast player application. If you will text the link to this week's episode to a few hunting buddies, that would be a huge help to the show and much appreciated by me. So that is all for the week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.